and very welcome to our service this morning. It's wet and it's cold, but it's nice in here, and hopefully within the presence of God, we'll feel our hearts will be warmed this morning. Um, just want to still our hearts straight away rather than give the announcements. We're just going to still our hearts and watch a short video, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. of the world outside and may you touch us Lord may you come and minister to us this morning in Jesus name Amen Psalm 27 verse 1 to 14 the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear wait on the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart wait I say on the Lord a few announcements just uh, this morning. Just a wee reminder that Messy Church is on this afternoon, half past three. Uh, please keep Ben and, um, and the team in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, you'll be aware of their, a special Life Lounge on this evening, starting at half past seven. Um, we're wanting to honour uh, Sheila, and uh, her passing was, um, well, it was hard for everyone. And we just want to have a wee rerun of the interview this evening that we had last in last Life Lounge in June, I think it was. So just please come along, uh, give us a bit of support, and let's think and reflect and, and of the good times that we've had um, with Sheila Palmer. So if you can, if anybody is is free just after the service to clear the chairs a wee bit, um, that would be really helpful just to set up for tonight. Uh, next Sunday morning, we're having our family service with the theme of uh, Don't Get Your Feet Wet. 
So you'll have received a flyer with the order of service this morning that should be tucked in your order of service. So perhaps you can invite a family member, maybe you could invite a friend or someone, a neighbor to come along to that. It's a family service uh, next Sunday morning. Uh, also, there's a sheet from the prayer and worship evening. It's basically the things that we went uh, through last Sunday night with a wonderful time of worship and prayer. And uh, these are just a little hard copy of what we were doing last Sunday night, that if you weren't able to get there, that you could still pray for the things that we're praying for. And can I encourage you to come out to the next one, which will be on uh, the second Sunday, every second Sunday evening, half past seven in the quiet room. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we, could, if we couldn't fit everybody into the quiet room, we needed to come into the church that would be great. That would be fantastic to see that happening. So um, also you'll notice on that there are actually some names of folk to pray for um, down at the first end of the first page. Um, we're not going to give any confidential information over, but we are wanting to pray personally for people. We don't take that opportunity. We pray in general in the morning in the service. But we want to take time to pray for people that are going through difficult times. So please, um, if you would like prayer on a Sunday night um, at that prayer meeting, please let one of your elders know, let myself know, and we'll be happy to pray for you. And if you'd prefer that we didn't pray for you on that night, but you still need prayer, well, I can come around and pray with you in your home, or an elder can. Please, we want to be praying uh, personally for folk in this congregation. Um, now, next week's Life Lounge, our guest will be Lauren Davidson, who works with the charity Home Northern Ireland. And Waiting for Sophie will lead our praise, and we hope you can join us next week at half past seven. Also, uh, Isabel is still um, looking for the person who uh, has a number 25 um, envelope um, they're not in, it's not a problem. They're not in any trouble or anything. Just if you can meet with Isabel, uh, just she has to have a wee chat with you. And uh, I'm going to hand over now to uh, Tom, who's going to talk about the quiz coming up. Good morning, everybody. I promise you I'm not going to talk too long. Um, I just want to invite you uh, to come to our, what has been an annual quiz for a long, long time, on Friday week, the 3rd of February at half past seven. Barry's big quiz is back in person. It's no longer online. And um, Barry and Heather, as ever, will be challenging us in all kinds of ways with a diverse range of questions. Um, I want to invite everybody who's a regular quizzer, some who've come from time to time and others have never been, to think about coming along. It's mainly an evening of fun. I know some people are very competitive, but we think about them and we pray for them. And uh, we, we just want to enjoy the evening and have good fun together. If you give a donation on the night, that will go towards the purchase of a bus for the primary nursery school in Rwanda, uh, Tuberary, and uh, that's something which they've made a big commitment to try to buy in 2023. So whatever little bit of help we can give will be much appreciated. And if you are able to come, planning to come, thinking about coming, if you'd put your name and maybe the number of those people who would come with you on one of the sign-up sheets in the hall, that'll allow us to cater properly for supper. And you can invite friends and neighbours. It doesn't have to be members of Ballycrock and as such. So hopefully you'll be able to do that and we'll see you on Friday the 3rd. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Uh, let's pray a moment. Ephesians 3, that Paul is longing that the church in Ephesus, that those within the church, that they might come to understand the height and the depth and the width 
and the length of the love of God. And that would be my prayer for each of us this morning. Father, for myself also, Lord, I pray that as we move in this service that we might recognize not just in our heads, but in our hearts, may know the, the height and the width and the depth and the length of your love for us. And may we celebrate that today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to stand, we're going to sing. It's, a, it's an old song which I came across last week. And, uh, but I don't know that the, our congregation know it. It's very old, that it's nearly gone off the... Off, out of the books and so forth, but uh, Chris has found it, and just it's called "Lord, You Are So Precious to Me." So let's worship the Lord. Just in, in, just it's a very simple little chorus. Just telling him how we love him. Okay. First John chapter 4, verses 7 uh, to verse 11. First John 4, 7 to 11. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Okay, if boys and girls, do you want to come up to the front? And we've got some scatter cushions. Uh, that Rini has provided for you. Rini has made these scatter cushions and a couple of bean bags. So.
So come and uh, have a wee seat. <laughs> okay, not so hard to sit on that. Sure, it's not. You have to get your principal in school. I used to hate those. And when you got the assembly in the morning and you have to sit on a hard floor, it's awful. You ask your principal to get scatter cushions. Okay, so what we want to talk about today is, and I want you to help me with this. Okay, you were really good last week. Remember you were talking about the different gifts that we receive and some of the gifts that God gives us? Oh, hold on a minute. There we go. It's okay. Some of the gifts that God gives us. So I'm going to ask here about God himself. Who is God? Who is God? Anybody? Yes? Excellent. He gives us presents when we sleep. Okay. <laughs> God is a giver. Now, everybody, put your hands out like that. Wiggle your fingers. Right? Who created your wee fingers? Yes? God, so God is a, he's our creator, so he's a giver, and he's a creator, okay, anything else, yes, good, very good, Father, and anything else, he's our heavenly Father, we can go to him at any time and talk to him at any time, day or night, anything else? He flies, does he? Okay. Well, 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 Jesus said, Jesus once said, he said, the Holy Spirit, who's God, he, he's a bit like the wind. You don't know where, what direction he's coming from unless you see the movement in the trees. You don't actually see the wind, you see the movement. So when God moves, we don't see him, but we see what he does. Okay, let me put one up here too. Judge, he's our judge. In other words, God is able to go, mm, Mark Shaw, <laughs> shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. Okay, or he might go, mm, Mark Shaw, that was good. That was good what you did there. He's our judge, okay? But also, what else have I got here? What else? What else? When we do wrong, what do we ask for? Mm -hmm. What is it? When we do wrong, when you do wrong, say when you mess up your room or you take a tantrum and you come along and you feel bad about it, and you come to mommy and say, sorry, mommy, please, do you need me? <laughs> what do you say? Sorry. I'm sorry. Good. Forgive me. Yes, I'm sorry. And excellent answers. So God is a forgiver. He forgives us. Yes. And we all have to say sorry. Sometime, don't we, because we all make mistakes. Do you know, Daisy? You're shaking your head, no? <laughs> oh. Is that a punishment, is it? If you do bad, you get put in the bath? Oh, you go on the naughty step, but then your mummy forgives you, doesn't she? Yes, and everything's good again. Okay, let me put up something else just here. God is our protector. He's our protector as well. He looks after us. He protects us. Yes, Jackson? A lover. Yes, that's very good. Yes. Well, that's sort of, you've introduced me to something here. This is sort of like a good introduction, Jackson, because do you know what? <clears throat> it says up there, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. God is love. Now, I want to show you something. All right? Ooh. 
I, I got a chocolate cake. I remember you gave me that, that chocolate button a couple of weeks ago. I love that. So I went out and got this chocolate cake, right? Anybody's tell me what it says on it? God is love. Isn't that amazing? And that's what God... And we've been looking this morning at who God is. He is a giver. He's our creator. He's a father. He flies. He's judge. He's our judge. He forgives. Protector. And he loves. But just like lots of ingredients in this cake, but the main ingredient that goes right through the whole cake is chocolate. No matter where... You cut this cake. Yes, sprinkles. There's wee sprinkles on the side. But no matter where you cut this cake, whether you cut it long ways, whether you cut it in, in triangles, whether you cut it right through the middle, no matter where you cut it, it's, it's chocolate. And that's why John, in, in his letter, he puts God's main characteristic is Love. Everything else that he does is, comes out of love. Even judge, as a judge, when Jesus dies on the cross, that's God being a judge and punishing Jesus for our sin. But right beside it is his love, and he offers us a relationship with him because of the judgment on his son he says, I've punished, therefore I'm going to love and receive and receive you to myself if you receive me as well. So, let me see. There it is. There's the cake. And God is love. I want you to remember that when you're eating chocolate cake. And no matter where you cut it, you know, it's chocolate. And God and his character, if you were able to slice his character up into different sections, no matter where you would slice it, it is love. Everything he does emanates, is motivated by love. Okay, so thank you for that. We're going to sing now. But this cake, uh, I didn't want to just hand it out to you here. You might make yourself sick. So, but what I want all the children to do after Sunday club, please come over, okay? I just check, you don't have any allergies, and come and get a slice of cake there, and we're going to all have a wee cup of tea afterwards and get a slice of cake. So will you just come back and get some chocolate cake? Great. We're going to sing, I'm special, because God has loved me.
out to Sunday Club now. See you later. Come back for your chapel. Okay. And uh, this is something now that we haven't done since before COVID. Uh, we're going to take our offering and dedicate it at the front. for all the gifts and the blessings that you give us. And Lord, everything we have belongs to you. And we surrender our lives to you. We surrender everything we have, everything we own, everything we are. And Lord, these tithes this morning, these offerings, they are a reflection that, of that fact, Lord, that everything that we have is yours. And we pray that you would use uh, these tithes, these offerings, Lord, for the extension of your kingdom in this place, for the extension of ki the kingdom in our hearts, and for the extension of the kingdom in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would prevent us from ever becoming complacent with your presence, complacent with who you are and what you give us, complacent with what you've done for us in the cross and Jesus Christ especially. Lord, help us not to become familiar with those things. We want to thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. We want to thank you for Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for the Holy Spirit who you give as fuel, as energy, as a person to help us live the Christian life. And Father, we want to bring before you our own hearts this morning, Lord, that, that we might know your cleansing, that Father, things that we've done in this past week that we feel bad about, that, or things that we've done many years ago that keep hanging over our heads, and we still feel condemned about them and sorry for them. I pray that you would restore in our hearts that sense of forgiveness as we come to you. 
And Lord, that there would be cleansing and that there would be healing and that we'd be able to move on from things that we've done that we're not proud of. And Father, we want to pray, Lord, for those who are persecuted, Lord, those who are meeting throughout the world today and some in very dangerous places, some in people's homes, some frightened that some, somebody's going to come to the door and arrest them. Father, those that feel intimidated, those that feel hurt, Father, those that feel threatened, we pray, God, that you would be especially close to them. Lord, that they would know your presence in such a very real and valued way. That, Lord Jesus, it would give them the strength to get up each day and live for you. We pray, Lord, that we, you might increase the hunger in our own hearts, in our own lives. Hunger for you, God. Hunger to meet with you, God. Hunger for you to bless us and touch us in, in many ways. Lord, we pray, Father, we want to come and bring our own congregation. Lord, each of us know people, maybe not even in this congregation, that need your support, that need your help, that need your healing touch, that need your encouragement. We pray for them now, Lord. We take a moment's silence to bring them in our own hearts to you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are a healer, that you are a comforter, that you are a provider, a protector, a carer, Lord, a forgiver. We pray, Lord, that you would continue on with us in this service and that everything that we sing and read and say may be honoring to you and that our hearts in this cold, wet day may go out warmed by your very presence here, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, another display, the greatest display of the love of God for each of us. <coughs> Last week we looked at, as we we're looking at the skeleton of a little book called Sit, Walk, Stand by Watchman Nee, who was in prison for 20 years and died in prison for his faith. And he has this little book, it's an overview of Ephesians. We're trying to put a wee bit of meat to it. And um, we looked last week at, at sitting, that place where we are seated in the heavens with Christ, 
where we are that place where we are in a personal relationship with him and we pray from that sense of authority because we're with him, beside him. And uh, sitting, the implication being that we're receiving every day, receiving from God. God is putting within us something that is going to build us up and strengthen us and a closer relationship, a closer relationship with him. Today we move on to walking. And uh, so I want to read out just four verses from Ephesians. Or sorry, there's more than four verses, but four little passages. Um, Ephesians 4, 1, 2. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love. Ephesians 4, 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Ephesians 5, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. And Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 10. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Paddy and Murphy go for a fishing trip. And uh, when they get to the bridge, they realize that they've forgotten their fishing gear. So uh, Murphy comes up with an idea. Paddy, you hold me by the ankles over the bridge, and when I see a fish, I'll grab it. So Paddy hangs him over the bridge, and he's holding on tight to his ankles. And all of a sudden, Murphy shouts, Paddy, pull me up quick. Paddy asks, why, Murphy, have you caught a fish? He says, no, Paddy, there's a train coming. (laughs) Being a follower of Jesus Christ isn't always easy. The disciples are made fishers of men, but it isn't long before they face a train coming straight towards them in the shape of a cross. They're going to lose an incredible friend for a season. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is not all plain sailing, and especially not for believers who live in such a pagan city as Ephesus. Paul encourages them to stay strong. We just have the wee slides up there a wee minute, Chris. Okay. In chapter 4, verse 1 in Ephesians, Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. Now, Paul pastored this church of Ephesus for several years, And he grew to love the people. Um, He writes with tremendous affection. Uh, He writes now, though, as a prisoner in Rome, making what I'm saying very clear, that being a follower of Jesus Christ can be very difficult and can be costly. He urges them to live in a way which honors Christ. Chapter 4, verse 1, is the turning point in the book of Ephesians. It goes from the theology of the first three chapters um, to, to, uh, the, to the practicality of the last three. From doctrine, where we can enjoy hearing about what Christ has done in the first three chapters, but it goes now to duty, from creed to conduct. He says, now walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Honor Jesus Christ. Walking is the, the idea of living, of, of, of um, living out your faith, of, of walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Okay? Um, it's about also the idea of progress, of moving forward with Christ. You know, being an ex-Pharisee, Paul knows what it's like the talk, the talk, but not walk the walk. Because the Pharisees were criticized by Jesus for being those who talk the talk but failed to walk the walk. Jesus calls them hypocrites, which he's saying that they're actors who put on a face, but underneath are something different. He calls them whitewashed tombs. Now, in biblical times, everything to do with death was seen as unclean. 
If you touched a grave or a gravestone, it was unclean. And and therefore they had whitewashed the tombstones. Because if you were coming home late at night and you fell and tripped over a tombstone in the dark, you would end up having to, to go through the whole ritualistic washing, not allowed in the temple for a number of days, not allowed in the synagogue, all the ritualistic washing before you could come into the presence of God again. And so it was seen as unclean, and therefore they, they painted the tombstones, they whitewashed them so that they could be clearly seen. But Jesus says to the Pharisees, you're like whitewashed tombs because you look great on the outside, great on the outside, but inside. You're full of death and decay and dead man's bones. And these three chapters of Ephesians, Paul is reiterating practical Christian living. These last three chapters, walk worthy of the calling with which you're called. Similar to what James said, the brother of Jesus in his letter, he says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. And Jesus himself points out that the only difference between the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock was obedience. Obedience. It's one easy word to say. It rolls off our tongues. But sometimes it's quite difficult to be obedient. And Paul gets down to the nitty-gritty of relationships in Ephesians. Two, two characteristics come out in Ephesians. And mainly one is purity and one is unity in the congregation, in the church. And so he gets down to the nitty-gritty of, of relationships. Last three chapters... He speaks about relationships in your home with your children, let Christ shine in it, with your wife, with your husband, with those brothers and sisters that you worship with every week. And Paul tells them in chapter 4, verse 2, have humility. He says, be patient. Support one another. He says, don't be lying to one another in verse 25. He says, verse 31, get rid of all that bitterness and stop um, quarreling with one another. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgives you. You know, Paul pulls no punches. He says, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Paul knows how difficult it can be to honor Christ in such a pagan culture. Ephesus was a pagan culture. And it was difficult for many people to live the life in such a difficult circumstances. But also to live the life in the unity of the body because people will be people and people will fall out and people will be, just can, can cause division in the church from just arguments and bitterness. And Paul wants to set that all straight at the beginning. You know, he knows it can be good relationships within the body which can make the church shine in the community. As Jesus himself said, that love that you have for one another, that is what's going to set you apart from everyone else. The love you have as disciples, the support you give as disciples, the care that you give to one another as disciples, that's what's going to set you apart from everyone else. To love one another Treat one another with honor, respect one another, support one another, forgive one another, care for one another. Because it will make you shine like a light in the dark community. But conversely, it can be fractious relationships, bitter squabbles within a church which completely can turn people off the church and has done for centuries. The first three chapters, it's about what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. It's like sitting in a lovely jacuzzi, and you know I like a jacuzzi. 
Sitting in a lovely jacuzzi, you're so relaxed, the first three chapters of Ephesians, and you're just receiving, oh, this is what God has done for me. I'm a child of God. I'm a forgiven person. Christ has died for me. This is wonderful. I've got eternal life. And we're going to sit, oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. But then in chapter 4, Paul comes along and tells you to get out of the jacuzzi and start living, living and allowing him to live his life through you. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. No longer walk like you used to walk. Verse 17, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. You know, if I was you sitting down there listening to me this morning, I'd probably be thinking, being a Christian's too hard for me. I hope you are thinking that. Because if you are thinking that, you're in the right direction. You might be thinking it's too hard for you, and it's, I think it's, it's just too hard for me. You know, when we read Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, we see that he takes the commandments up a notch. He says, you have heard that it was said, but I say unto you. He takes it higher and higher. Jesus pushes us to go beyond, you see, just doing what's right. There's many unbelievers who do what's right who live good lives and do what's right. Jesus is pushing us to do not just what's right, but to do what he would do. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. Verse 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. What he's saying is that previously, before you came to recognize who Jesus is before you knew anything about a saving power, you walked in a spiritual darkness. You had no idea who God was. Neither did you fully understand who you were or why you were on this planet Earth. What was the meaning of your life? You lived for yourself. You depended on your own strength. There was no sense of meaning in your life. You were groping in the darkness of your own heart. But then could Christ came... When Christ came into your life, your whole perspective on life changed. You found forgiveness. You found direction. You found reason and purpose. You become a son or a daughter to the living God. Having received that sitting, Paul says, now walk it out. Live it out. But how are we to manage this? Is this not too hard? It's far too hard. We're not Jesus. We've all got flaws. We've got weaknesses. Even when we make an attempt at righteous acts, Isaiah says, even when I try to do what is right, my righteous acts are like filthy rags. When you hold them up in the holiness of God and the, and the, and the purity of God in comparison, mine are very, very... Filthy rags indeed. They're stained. So how, how do we live this Christian life which is hard? And Jesus, like the commandments are hard enough, but Jesus puts it up a notch. How do we live it? How are we meant to live it? This is a, a bird of paradise. He lives in Papua New Guinea. And he's a, a beautiful, strange little wee bird. He doesn't look like this all the time. Basically, on the, the, you can see at the top right, that's what he normally looks like. But then when he wants to impress a female, he starts to, he practices it all out before she comes. And he, he puts out his feathers, and he does a little dance up and down, and he tries, and whenever she, he, he, he tries this again and again and again, he practices it, practices it, put his whole heart into it, and then the right-hand corner there at the bottom, you see this little female comes along, and he does his little dance that he's been practicing for a long time, 
And whether she's impressed or not, this particular one, I think, was on David Attenborough, and she flew away. Typical woman. The, the poor wee guy put all his heart and soul into it, and she just clears off. So he has to practice again and start all over again. But he can only do this. He only does this for when he wants a, a woman, when he wants a female. So he wouldn't do it all the time. And sometimes being a Christian, no one what's expected of us. We can easily fluff up fluff out our Christian feathers, can't we? And make an impression. We may talk in a spiritual way and make a good impression and put on like a little spiritual dance. But if it's in our own strength, if it's us just putting it on for a little short period to make everybody think that I'm a real good Christian, it's awful tiring doing that. How do you keep that up? You can't keep that up. It's too tiring if it's only in our own strength. How then is it possible to live the life that Christ wants us to live? How do we live this Christian life? The simple answer is that we don't, but he does. We don't, but he does. Carrying on from last week where we're sitting in position, what God has given to us, his love, your faith, his grace, your salvation. He's given his mercy, given your forgiveness, given from him. His support, given from him. Your peace, given from him. It's all of God. It's all of God. God has saved you. And it's by God's grace. But his life that has saved you is the same life that he offers to you to live the Christian life. It wouldn't be the full gospel if we didn't say about the Holy Spirit that God sends. Because it's Christ says, I have to go to my Father, and it's because I can go there that I can send you the Holy Spirit who will empower you and lead you and direct you and support you and live in you and live through you. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. My old nature. But yet my old nature keeps running, coming back again, coming back again. And thank God that he's a forgiven God. But I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's no longer I who live the Christian life. But Christ lives in me by his spirit. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who's loved me and gave himself for me. It's not about trying. It's about trusting. It's not about striving. It's about surrender. I remember Billy Strachan. He was the principal when I was at Cape and Ray. And I remember him saying that each morning he would hand over the day to God and say, God, live in me and through me today. And when he'd get to the end of the day, he'd say, finish with a prayer, God, I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed yourself living in me and living through me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He empowers us to live the Christian life, not about striving, but about surrender. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is a wonderful thing. In Galatians 5, you find out the fruit of the Spirit is basically the character, the personality of God, who he naturally and supernaturally is. The fruit of the Spirit of God bears love and joy and peace and patience 
and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, all of the things I'd love to have naturally in my character. This is God's character. This is the fruit of God's character. The fruit is what the Spirit of God, he bears that. He just bears it because that's who he is. He bears the fruit naturally. And Paul tells us in 5.18 of Ephesians to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek is, be being filled. In other words, continue to be filled. And if you're a Christian this morning, you already have the Holy Spirit living in you. And my request to you would be, don't keep him standing in the hallway. If your heart is like a house, don't keep him standing in the hallway. Allow him into every area of your life, even the areas of your life that you don't want anybody to see. Allow him to come into every... That's what being full of the Holy Spirit is. Don't keep him at the door. Don't keep him in the hallway. Allow God into every area of your life, and he will guide you, and he will lead you as you surrender to him. And as he is there, he will naturally bear the fruit through you because of who he is. Love going through you to other people that other people can feed off. Joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. Christ in you, says Paul in Colossians 1.27. That's your hope. That's how you live the Christian life. Allowing him to live it in you and work it out through you. What God works in you as you sit and allow him to work in your heart and life, and that is necessary every day that we sit with God but then we work it out in our walk. You know, we, we say that benediction many times, and it probably rolls off our tongue. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. In other words, God is, doing, to do, is he able to do amazing things in your life, in somebody else's life, in our congregation's life, in our community's life. He's able to do all of these incredible things. But then it says, according to the power that works in us, as he works in us, he wants to work it out through us, in our fellowship, in our community, in our homes, in our workplaces. From the mouth of Jesus himself in John 15, he speaks of his followers as being branches grafted into a strong main stem. So there's Jesus, and he's the strength and we're the branches, and we're a bit brittle. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, you are the branches, you graft yourself into me, and you abide in my love, and you receive my words in your heart, and let them run through you, like your blood going through your body. Let my words run through you till they're a part of you. Abide in me, remain in me, connect with me. The sap of the main stem will go to the branches and the branches will naturally, supernaturally bear the fruit from the main stem, namely Christ. It's all about coming back to Christ, being close with Christ, being surrendered to him and allow him to live in and through us. Paul writes, walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us. Allow Christ's love this week to flow through you to other people. Don't hold it on to yourself. Allow it to flow through you. Allow his joy, the joy of Jesus Christ of knowing him, allow that to flow through you other people. Allow his peace to flow through you to other people, to bring calm into situations where people are despairing. 
allow his kindness to flow through you and his goodness to flow through you. Allow Christ to live in and through you. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me, in me and through me. But let me finish by reading chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 15 to 17. It says, See that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Find out what his will is and surrender to it. Watch him move in your family and in your workplace with your workmates and amongst your, your friends and the church. Surrender yourself to be his instrument that he might touch others through you. Allow God to live in and through you. And listen, by the time I go home today, I'll probably have sinned in attitude or, I don't know. We all sin and we all fall. But we have a loving Savior and we have a forgiving Savior. And he wants us to get up when we fall and to keep going on and allow him space in our lives to work in us on a daily basis and then to work through us on our walk, whoever we meet throughout the week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. The Lord, you just don't say, right, follow me, and then clear off back to heaven. But Lord, did you send us your Holy Spirit who is a person who is God, who is there as a deposit, as a guarantee, as a taste of what is yet to come in heaven. But Lord, he is our counselor. He is our comforter. He is our guide. He is the one that directs us. He is the one who wants to live and live his life through us. May we allow him to do that. And may he exalt Christ in our hearts and lives. May he exalt Christ in this church. And may he exalt Christ as we shine in this community or as he shines through us in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to finish with, uh, it's a lovely hymn. It's one of my favorites, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. We might have sinned a lot, but God's grace, there's an awful lot more grace than there are sin. God's grace is greater than any amount of our sins, which are a lot. His grace is much, much more.
please stay behind and have a wee cup of tea and a bit of chocolate cake. Okay. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you.